Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. This is episode 20, so there was a little mix-up. It's on me. That last episode was 19, so this is 20. So now we get the from the vault 20, right, Richard? Yeah. <laughs> Oil Jason's for everyone. <laughs> as always, myself, Chaz. Richard, what's up, Richard? Hey, guys. And Seth, as you know him, Saffron Olive. What's up, Seth? How's it going, everybody? All right, so... Lot to talk about this week. It seems like every week we have a lot to talk about. Last week was kind of a down week, but this week is jam packed full of stuff. We've got fish mail, we've got Modern Masters 2015 stuff, hectic, hectic stuff, some really awesome deck lists, uh, modern, legacy, standard. Uh, we're going to be talking about price movement, uh, some really interesting stuff, uh, a couple really big foil spikes. And Vegas is coming this weekend, right? So, Richard, you're going to have to update us, uh, you know, hourly. <laughs> I, I will post my, like, three-timer life pool on Twitter immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get down to it. Let's start with the – now, we talked a lot about this last week, guys. Uh, Modern Masters 2015. So, we didn't really think that these cardboard – packaging or whatever you want to, this experimental cardboard packaging was a huge deal, but it turned out it really was a huge deal. So there's been a lot of chaos. Now, I know, you know, all three of us are on social media. So when you see this, you know, think about all the cards that aren't nicked up, you're going to see more complaints over, you know, social media, but that may not tell the whole story. But I, I mean, I have to tell you this. I mean, there's some really weird print run and weird packaging, like, damage stuff that's been going on. So I'll open it for the floor to you guys. Richard, what do you think about this? Yeah, so so summary of, of what happened. Uh, so Modern Masters 2015 was released this week, and then, you know, shortly after it was released on Reddit, there's a YouTube video posted about someone opening a package and resealing it because the packaging had no glue. Uh, so that apparently was an error in the packaging. However, people have found out that you could use a heat gun to melt the glue, open the package, change the cards, and then seal it back up. And then, you know, we get more reports coming in of people getting their cards damaged inside. Apparently, the cards aren't tight in the cardboard and they shift around. So people are getting, uh, you know, packed fresh cards with nicked edges. Uh, some of the cards are being bent in the corners or have weird crease marks. Um, so... That started pissing off a lot of people. You know, you're opening a brand new pack and your cards are already damaged. And then uh, there are reports of people opening cards or uh, cases or packs or boosters with weird uh, collation issues. So you're not getting your normal distribution of commons, uncommons, rares, and mythics. Uh, someone opened a case with 68 foil rusted relics. <laughs> someone opened uh, a booster box where it was all mythics. Uh, so I was a lucky person. And I think they even said at GP Vegas, you know, they're going to make sure that each pool has packs from different cases to try to mitigate this problem. Um, but, you know, these are probably not happening, um, you know, in mass. They're, they're probably isolated incidents. But you never see this issue with, you know, Dragons and Tarkir releases, Fate Reforged releases, uh, you know, with the new Modern Masters packaging and printing process or whatever. Uh, things went bad and uh, Wizards getting a lot of flack for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seth? <laughs> it's I've never seen anything like this, honestly. Like, this is the most epic disaster of a set release <laughs> I have ever seen. 
Um, not only are all these things happening, but this is like the flagship product of the year. They've been hyping this since last October, and now people are getting moderately played or heavy played Tarmogoyfs or not getting any rares in their pack at all. It's just, it's stunning. I don't know what could have went so wrong. Like, this doesn't happen with Wizards, and now all of a sudden it's happening with the one release it shouldn't happen with. So Magic Online has finally come to paper, guys. <laughs> yes, I think Worth got promoted to running uh, the Modern Masters set design and distribution. Um, now, the the packaging is one thing. I mean, the packaging is just atrocious. You're not going to be – you shouldn't be doing some experimental cardboard packaging on – you know, don't – the old saying, like, don't fix what's not broken, like, on a, especially on a 999 – MSRP pack. To my knowledge, the Japanese packs are not sealed like this. They have the you know traditional uh, plat or cellophane or whatever you want uh, packaging that every pack has had you know in, since the you know whatever except for like unhinged or whatever they had like this weird paper crap. So that's not really an issue over in Japan, and they probably were like you know screw that we're not going to deal with that shit. And uh, <laughs> so if you're out there holding Japanese boxes. I mean, at least you can have the, you know, the safe feeling that your cards aren't going to be messed up. Now, again, like you said, Seth, or Richard, it it could just be isolated incidents. But as you said, Rich, uh, Seth, uh, on the contrary, that this hasn't happened before. You do get these weird, like, you know, multi-rare packs and, like, these weird uh, distribution uh, when when they come cut off the, the sheet. But nothing, like... These the packs. I mean, the cards are literally bouncing around in the cardboard and getting nicked up, and that's not something that people have had to deal with in the past. I mean, it's really crappy to open up uh, such a high value card, you know, Tarmogoyf, Iona, all you know, a high profile Mythic, and have them like nicked up, and you can't even get full value for them. I don't know if it's a widespread issue, but it's definitely an issue. And like you said, Seth, it's on their highest quality or highest like biggest hyped release of the year and you were the one that pointed out that uh uh the all foiled rustic relic uh, box that must have been really awful yeah it was hilarious the guy actually filmed a video of him opening one box and not only were they all foil rusted relics but they're the wrong way in the pack so as soon as you open the pack you see this foil rusted relic staring back at you and like oh shit not again and he just did that for 24 packs in a row it was Imagine all the cards you could have got, but you just got a foil rustic relic instead. Yeah, the poor guy. Yeah. Um, but let me let me ask you this though. So does this damage people wanting to buy this product going forward because of all these problems? What do you think? I would think so. You know, why why buy a box and you know maybe get the cards you want, and if you get them, they might be damaged. Why not just go buy singles? You know, like have someone else deal with damaged cards. Right, go buy your near mint cards from you know a reputable retailer. So I, I think it will damage the reputation of it. I, I don't think it'll change limited. You know, I'm not going to drop out of GP Vegas because of this. You know, it's right. still going, right? But I think you know if I was trying to buy a box for value or something, this might change my mind. I don't want to deal with you know some wizard's refund process. You know, I don't want to deal with all the stuff. You know, I'd probably just get my cards directly. Yeah, Seth. I, well, I think I was thinking about it. I probably should have. When I did my EV article, just looked up prices for like heavy played versions 
and then we would have a more realistic <laughs> sense of the value. But, well, not only that, you should have just did your EV, like, don't even change any of the card's prices and, uh, you know, just leave them as is. Because for a while there, people were just charging the same old price. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have, like, 100,000, like, plus boxes, like, coming out of the product. And, you know, they think they can get away with just charging, like, forty nine ninety nine for a Noble Hierarch. It's like I, absurd. I can- I can definitely say I didn't take into account the possibility of not getting any rares in your box when I calculated the EV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would severely destroy any uh, kind of EV. (laughs) So I I think it does hurt confidence. And the other thing that came up is you really don't want to buy loose packs of this if it really is true that people can reseal them. So, like, all around, like, everything about this set release just says, don't buy me. (laughs) Like, that's how I see it. Yeah, so I don't think any considerable movement on price bo- uh, prices of boxes are going up anytime soon. Can you imagine buying a box and holding it for three or five years to draft and then opening up and it having it be one of these mess up like print run boxes? <laughs> yeah, that would like, suck. How, how disappointing is that? Like, I don't know why you would even put yourself in that position. Yeah, yeah. that's actually quite true. And like five years from now, will Wizards replace your box, right? Like, can uh, you even do not. their process? Probably not, right? So it, it kind of kills that plan too. It's just an all-around bad, like, we talked about the feel-bads of opening up a pack and, like, getting a, you know, foil Comet Storm or a Comet Storm in general. But now opening it up and, like, the cards aren't even near mint. I mean, it's just, there's too many variables going on for me to want to, like, go and buy a box. Now, again, take, like, this with a grain of salt. Like, this is probably not a huge, like, widespread issue, but it's more of an issue than it should be is what I think people are trying to get at is that you're paying $10 a pack. You should get the best product you can. And that should have been, they should have packaged the cards like they originally have been doing it, you know, for, you know, X amount of sets. And I think that would have mitigated a lot of the damaged cards in the pack because you're right. It's, it's just too easy to tamper with. And Seth, you made a great point. I mean, you buy these and then what, like, Five years down the line, you can't even open up your box because you're going to have, like, missing rares and nicked up rares and God knows what else. Yeah, the one thing that's worse than a foil Comet Storm is a heavy played foil Comet Storm. Yeah, that would really piss me off. (laughs) (laughs) So one last, uh, you know, we don't want to, like, keep harping on uh, Modern Masters 2015. I know it's the talk of the town or many towns, I guess, and we have a huge GP coming up this weekend but uh have you either of you drafted over the weekend nope <laughs> no me so you were you were saving all, all your, my money for GP right vegas. <laughs> right so you're gonna be at gp vegas now from what i'm hearing it's not as good as modern masters one but it's still pretty good is that i guess that's the general vibe that i'm getting have you have either of you heard uh anything to dispute that that was what I heard initially before the set was even released. Um, right. Because you have all the cards, you could just, you know, mock draft or mock sealed. Right. Uh, but this past week, I haven't actually heard that many updates on the gameplay because everyone's been in such an uproar over the packaging yeah. and the card conditions. Like, no one's – like, that. that's the that's the biggest travesty here, right? No one's focusing on the gameplay. Everyone's focusing on the packaging and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, how how is the set? I'm not actually sure I haven't played it. Um, and I'm sure most people – are kind of just waiting for next weekend with the big GPs coming up. 
unless you know you were lucky enough to camp out your local gaming store for release weekend. Yeah, now I heard like Eric Froelich, um and uh, I mean most people know who he is who have been watching competitive magic hasn't been too impressed with the limited aspect. He said sealed was okay, but not nearly, you know, neither of uh draft or sealed were as good as the first modern masters. I think you bring up a good point and kind of enhances the the discussion we were having before is that everyone's so focused on people and like everyone's so focused on the cards and how, you know, they're coming damaged and all these weird print run stuff. Like you mentioned, Richard, and they don't even care about how the, the format is even shaping up to be like how fun it is or whatever. All they know is that, wow, I just paid $40 and the cards that I opened aren't even near mint. This really sucks. Or I just paid 200 plus dollars on a box and the cards that came in the box aren't even near mint. I could care less about how the draft or sealed is doing because this really sucks. So, yeah, I mean, on the bright side though, um, Seth, did you, and I'm going to direct this question at you. Did you think, uh, I, I do think there's one big success here and that was driving down the prices of the cards. It was very quickly that a lot of these cards, uh, decreased in value a lot of them almost by like 50%. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's mostly because it really looks like, and it might be partly because of the problems, but there's plenty of supply out there. Like I haven't heard anything about people not being able to get boxes at MSRP, not being able to draft or play with these cards. So there's enough supply out there that if you want them, you can buy them. And that's a good sign for price decreasing. Those are some huge margins on uh, some really, high-profile cards. And, you know, it goes back to, I I said this over, you know, social media, and I I do say this when this product, or, you know, this product in particular and the subject comes up. Really the only card that is not going to keep decreasing at such a huge value, although it will, you know, as these sets keep coming out, I mean, hopefully, maybe, you know, such a huge negative impact, but, you know, whatever. The only real ubiquitous staple is Tarmogoyf. And I know we keep talking about Tarmogoyf. Should I buy Tarmogoyf yet? Someone tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it has even, – even that one has decreased. And, you know, a lot of them like em- Emrakul, Kozilek, Iona, these are like very fringe uh, in only one deck, maybe only a one of. And those are – no matter what – kind of uh, limited print run or even any kind of print run whatsoever is going to damage the card because no matter what in, in MTG, when, it, when we're talking about a finance uh, perspective, if people, the demand needs to be there and the card needs to be uh, a ubiquitous force in a metagame for it to command a premium price. I mean, that's just, that's just it. I mean, Tarmogoyf is a four of, Almost all the time it's played, and it's in multiple decks. You can't say the same for a card like Emrakul or Splinter Twin. Splin, I mean, Splinter Twin, rather. They are four ofs. They can be four ofs, but they're not going to be in so many different archetypes. So I think that's why we're seeing a huge price decrease. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, and I think prices are going to decrease more. Like, one really telling fact is you can look at the buy list prices of some of these cards, and most of these cards, even though they're chase cards, Elish Norn, Fulminator Mage, uh, All is Dust, Blinkboss Nexus, 
like some of those prices, Fulminator, its retail price is still like $22, but no one's buying it for more than 10 bucks. Spellskite's like 16, no one's buying it for more than 10 bucks. The spread is like 50% or more on some of these cards. All is dust, no one's buying it, but it retails for $9. So these prices are going to keep going down. There's just such a big gap there. With that tweet, um, and I think it was a, I'm, I'm, I'm actually hearing from another source that I know too, um, he's able to order more boxes from either his distributor, um, World, uh, Wizards of the Coast directly. I mean, that's another huge wave, not a distribution wave because there's only one massive wave, but um, I'm hearing it's six times, almost six times as much as we looked, as we saw with the first Modern Masters. And I think that email from Wizards to a lot of the uh, store owners is, uh, I think, quantifying that. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, when you have such a large supply, the, set, the first set reacted more like a From the Vault or something that had such a limited print run that EV and all that stuff goes out the window. But when there's boxes sitting on your shelf, the EV can't go that high because if it was worth, the EV was $400, you could just go and buy a box and open it and make money. So because the supply is so much higher, it's going to hurt all the prices a lot more than the first time around. Yeah, so basically, like Richard said, uh, has been saying all along, this set is basically, do I open the Tarmogoyf in the box or don't? You know, or don't I? Because, it, you know, it's compounded with the, the damages on the cards just the cards in general losing so much value, like you just said, Seth. You know, these people are, you know, some of these cards are retailing, you know, $15, $9, $10, but no one's buying them because they're just, they just keep waiting for them to go down. And market pushback is a huge thing, not only in just a magic finance, but in finance in general. If people don't buy the card for X price, you have to lower the price. I mean, you're not going to get a sale you're charging $20, but no one's going to pay $20. People pay $15. They're going to have to charge $15. I mean, that's just it. I mean, the buy prices are very telling. And like Richard said, um, you know, it's compounded with the, you know, do, if you open a box five years from now and you can't even, you know, you're sitting on a box and you can't even open up the cards and have the full confidence of opening near mint cards. So it's just a lot of different variables. And ultimately, I mean, it's kind of good because, a lot of these cards are now accessible uh, to players, which is, I think, is a success. I guess some quasi weird success on the on the down, like the um, unsuccessful parts of what this set has brought. Um, the good thing is, is there there's a lot enough supply that people can just buy boxes. So, any kind of final thoughts on on uh, Modern Masters 2015? I know Richard's been really geared for Vegas and just wants to uh, go ahead and just do that, yeah. uh, not sit here and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at, at least at Vegas, we'll get first-hand experience. Well, I'll get first-hand experience. <laughs> I'll, I'll be watching thousands of people open their packs, so we'll, we'll see how bad, you know, this this packaging actually is. Maybe it's just totally overblown and there are no issues, or maybe everyone at the table opens Nick Tarmogoyf and everyone's pissed. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I think this weekend will, will tell us a lot about Modern Masters and how it's going to play out. Yeah. Uh, final words from you, Seth. Do you agree or you sort of disagree on anything that we, uh, I or we brought up so far? Oh, well, I think I agree with everything we're saying, though. Actually, I did want to ask Richard, you're the only one from our uh, podcast here that's actually going to be in Vegas. Does all of this damper your excitement at all? 
No, not really. I mean, I, I don't know. We're, we're going to Vegas for the spectacle. I mean, I'm not there to play solid magic. I'm not sitting at home practicing. I'm just going to go there and wing it. So hopefully open some goifs, have some fun, you know, play with, I don't know what the, the numbers at, like 6,000 other players or something? No, kind of. I think it's like 7,500. 7,500 other players. So line up yeah. for bathrooms and, you know, all that great, <laughs> you know, magic yeah. the gathering convention things. And, you know, just just have fun. So th- I think the spectacle will still be great. but It, it might be greater, actually, if everyone's yeah. <laughs> getting into uh, fights over their nicked up Tarmogoyf. Well, I mean, there's going to be a long lines of uh, returns uh, at the <laughs> Wizards booth. Uh, people trading in packs. <laughs> Hopefully that's not a widespread issue uh, for every, for everyone that's going. Yeah, uh, GP Vegas is this weekend. The biggest event, what, of all time in Magic? Or one of the biggest events in, like, gaming history, almost? Like, tabletop history? Yeah. Uh, so, should be awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to your experiences, Richard. All right, hopefully I don't go 0-2 drop. <laughs> o2 drop yeah, go, to I mean, the, go to the pool <laughs> first first round first round draft opponent brad nelson you know or whatever uh eric frolic <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's uh let's shift gears here let's start with the modern winning deck now this was a very interesting deck so take us through us take us through it seth um, so, yeah, basically what won the Modern Premier IQ last weekend was a four-color Delver of Secrets Hooting Mandrills deck, uh, backed up by Disrupting Shoal and a whole bunch of cheap uh, counterspells and basically cantrips like Thoughtseize and Gitaxian Probe. So I have no idea what to make of this deck. Yeah, Richard, what do you think? <laughs> so Hooting Mandrills. It's a card I love. <laughs> I love these janky commons that you can fit into a deck. However, I don't, I don't really know how this deck plays out because it plays, you know, it plays four Tarmogoyfs and then four Hooting Mandrills. So th- there's a bit of a anti-synergy there as you yeah. play Goyf and then proceed to make it a zero one by exiling your entire graveyard. <laughs> but it's spicy, you know. I, I can see how it can win but I can see I could have very awkward hands, so I'm not sure how it actually plays out, but there's some sweet cards here. Huntmaster, the Fells, and the Board, Simic Charm. You know, it's just like a lot of cool, awesome cards, so it's it's good to see these uh, Rogue Broods uh, seeing success. Yeah, and uh, Seth, I mean, these IQ, Premier IQs, aren't just like some random Friday Night Magic. I mean, there's some good competition there, right? Yeah, they have, I think that some of the players, the main event was Legacy this weekend, but I know like um, some of the players that dropped out, Gerard Fabiano, for one, went and played in this modern IQ, and I think they had over 200 players from what I saw on Twitter, or around 200, so it's not just an F and F. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, again, we, we see these crazy decks uh, do well one time, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be a trend, but, I mean... This is pretty this is pretty crazy. I mean, you have disrupting shoal at like almost no blue cards. Like you Hey, you, we like, wanted force of will in modern. Here you go. Right? Yeah. This I mean, is it was your like, bad force of will. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like weird holding a disruptive shoal and then like a hooting mandrels in the same hand. It's like yeah, this doesn't really work. I mean, there are good blue cards in there. I mean, stubborn denial 
I think is a very good card, especially for modern. I mean, you're playing it along with Hooting Mandrills and uh, sometimes a large Tarmogoyf. It's actually not that good because you only have Hooting Mandrills and Tarmogoyf, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Delver it's like... doesn't trigger it. Snapcaster doesn't trigger it. So you get a, a already conditional Force Spike <laughs> sort of thing, counterspell, but now you're like, you don't even have like a Hooting Mandrills or a Tarmogoyf, so... I don't know. I think it's really cool. I don't know how he won, but congrats to Jordan. curiosity for that card advantage. Yeah, yeah curiosity. some invisible stalkers in here for the yeah, ultimate I combo. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty sweet. You know, I'm poking fun at the deck, but it won, right? Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. When it when it works, I'm sure it works, right? So, yeah. it's, a, it's a very cool deck. Unfortunately... It's about uh, thirteen hundred dollars, so you can't just leave it together for fun. You need to actually yeah. own some Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if we could laugh at it, I'm sure Jordan laughed at it because, like, how the he- he's probably like, how the hell did I win this with like four disrupting shoals and four hooting mandrills? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> mandrills is a legit card, man. <laughs> yo, listen, yo, Richard has been saying every podcast that you know why play Tarmogoyf? We have Gurmag Angler and hooting mandrills, like. Just get rid of Tarmogoyf for already. Maybe maybe that was Wizard's plan all along, is to print Hooting Mandrills, and now we just use it instead of Tarmogoyf. Yep, it's an exciting weekend because my other favorite card, Gurmag Angler, <laughs> took down the SCG Open Legacy. Oh my god. All right, we're going to get to that. Um, slight upgrade over Hooting Mandrills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in Legacy. One other deck I wanted to point out before we move on to Legacy is the seventh place deck list by Timothy Fay, uh, a Xur the Enchanter deck. And how long has it been since we've seen a Xur the Enchanter deck in modern set? I've seen it pop up online a couple times, but as far as finishing something like a, a SCG IQ, it's been a long time. I don't know if it ever has, actually. I think it has, I'll bet, a long time ago. Um I think, like, what, a year and a half ago now, maybe? But yeah, this looks really interesting. And, I mean, keep your eye on Zer the Enchanter. It was not reprinted. So, we've seen it command, what, $15, 20 bucks at some at one point? Right? Yeah, and it's, it's pretty popular, I think, in Commander as well, so. Yeah, in uh, January 2014, it was around $18, so... I guess uh, it could happen again if it, if this is a a trend, but there's just not there's not much cold snap out there really. There's just not no, that there many really is in the wild, right? And the only other printing was a commander arsenal. So yeah, some interesting cards to watch. Um, Zer the Enchanter, disrupting shoal, <laughs> foil hooting mandrels. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. We're not. It, it's one time. I, I understand it's a modern premier IQ and. I mean, we've seen crazy things happen. We've seen worse buyouts uh, over the course of this podcast, uh, so I wouldn't be too surprised. But, you know, I always just like to, you know, kind of just temper expectations over a one-time finish. What is a-, a trend, though, Seth, and I think you pointed this out, is Colgan's command is starting to creep up a lot into not only, well, modern, but legacy as well. You know, and I'm even seeing it in these uh, in these Grixis twin decks. Uh, Colgan's command is starting to become quite popular. 
Yeah, it really is. That, that card apparently is very good in older formats. I I think I underrated that one uh, during spoiler season. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you didn't call it a, a uh, what was it? A, a, a prognostic space? Prog- <laughs> That's never going to die, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I said I said uh, Death Miss Raptor was a complete piece of trash, so what do I know? Um, <laughs> let's get to the legacy. So, uh, Richard... Walk us through Legacy. So all you need to know is Gurmag Angler won the SCG Open. <laughs> <laughs> our, our trusty seven man of five five with Delve made it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Grixis Delver by Noah Walker took down the event. Um, it, it's basically a young Pyromancer Delver deck, and right. there is some black for Deathrite Shaman and Gurmag Angler, and some disruption like Cabal Therapy in the board. But yeah, Tassiger sees plays sees play legacy. Gurmog Angler is just a better version of Tassiger since he dies anyway without activating his ability. And uh, this deck doesn't run <laughs> enough green for Goyf. So Gurmag Angler it is. So 5-5 five, five, Powerhouse, 4-turn clock. Yeah, now how... Uh, I know a lot of people, and this is just a question for you, Richard, and I, you know, the comparison to Gurmag Angler and Tassiger. I mean, Tassiger is usually always going to die no matter what, right? I mean, pretty quickly, right? Yeah, I mean, like, even if you can't, they can't remove it immediately, four mana to activate his ability is a lot. So you might not even have four mana. Uh, right, so you can have the you, one mana. Yeah, you slap play. down, like, a turn three Tassiger, and it, it might live, or, you know, it might die immediately, and you don't really get to four mana, or you don't have the time or the tempo to activate it. So Gurmag Angler, in that case, is just straight up better than Tassiger. Right, and especially in this deck, since it's a pyromancer deck, it runs a lot of free cantrips or cheap cantrips, so you'll be able to power out your your delve quite quickly. Um, so there there's some more synergy there uh, for this deck. Yeah, uh, just going through the top eight, another very diverse top eight. They they listed up to twenty five different deck lists, and we see BBD. Unfortunately, not on the collected company list. He was on <laughs> Miracles, so Boy. I guess it was just a one-time, <laughs> a one-time thing uh, for for collected company and legacy. But who knows? Maybe it'll come back at some point. So we don't see too many elves list pop pop up. Is that not that popular, or uh-uh. is it popular just it doesn't always place? I, I I don't know. In Seattle, it's a very popular deck. Uh, it's a very okay. hard deck to play. Like it's really hard to just randomly pick up. Um, but right. it's a deck that can win from an empty board and like one card in hand. So it's a very explosive deck, and it really relies on um, the uh, skill of the pilot. Um, but you know, you you see it pop up now and then. Uh, I think there's like two in this top twenty-five. So it's it's a pretty normal yeah. showing. I don't I don't see anything special about it. Anything to recap Modern or Legacy? Should we go on to Standard? Let's go on to Standard. All right. Um, so Standard, Abzan Aggro, Mono Red, Red Green Devotion, some Abzan Control List, an Abzan Aggro List, a Mastery of the Unseen, weird Whisperwood Elemental, Death Miss Raptor type deck. So just like Bant, uh, good stuff. And uh, another Abzan Aggro List. So pretty, pretty, uh, what, not, not very exciting, very standard kind of stuff here? Nope, I mean standard, standard. <laughs> Absent is still good. <laughs> uh, the 10th place list piloted by Devin Devon O'Donnell 
Sorry if I'm butchering your name. O'Donnell. Boros. <laughs> That's a normal name. Uh, yeah, I know. Boros Dragons looks pretty interesting, but I don't think it's very. Have we seen this deck list pop, pop up a lot? Uh, I've seen it a few times online. Uh, this seems just kind of like a very traditional Boros list. I mean, it looks almost exactly like Mardu Dragons, except you don't get to play any of the sweet black cards. It doesn't seem like a new deck to me. It just seems like the Mardu Dragons deck uh, that for some reason is playing Hordling Outbursts or more Valorous Stances over things like Thoughtseize or uh, the Sacrifice spell I can't think of that I Bao like. Tong Invocation. No, the Mardu one. You said that. Back your oh, biggest uh, crack, 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 damage. Crackling Doom. Yeah, yes, crackling, crackling Doom. Yeah. Totally yeah, yeah. spaced on that one. So anyway, yeah. it seems like that deck just without those cards. Yeah. Um, and then the fifth, 15th place uh, deck list by Oliver Tew, Black Green Dragons, which uh, was that deck that uh, – who, who played this deck, Seth? Uh, it was she... a couple of the Japanese pros, yeah. Uh, Mahara, yes. I think, was one of Mahara, them. Mahara, I think, yeah. So this, like, five-color black dragons list. This, you know, it's crazy that, like, five weeks, uh, how I don't know how many weeks ago, when we saw this uh, mono-blue dragons list that we were like, does every mono deck get a dragons list now? And here we are. I mean, it looks really awesome. I'm not going to lie. And then I would Savage Knuckleblade. Savage Knuckleblade snuck into 16th place, too. We actually have a teamer deck. Yeah, we do. It looks pretty sweet. Um, I think this deck list will look a lot better uh, in October because um, a lot of the... I mean, Savage Knuckleblade at three is basically like... who I think come rotation, unless they print something that's just straight up better, I mean, that seems like a good place to be on turn three and teamer. Uh, there's not much that yeah. can really combat that on turn three. So, uh, a lot of interesting stuff in Standard as always, and Modern and Legacy as well. Standard, kind of not as much room for innovation as Modern and Legacy, but I think uh, Standard is still pretty healthy. I mean, this is not like, you know, we're just looking at Mono Black Devotion versus Mono Blue Devotion like we were, what, a year ago? Well, now you're looking at Abzan versus... <laughs> <laughs> Abzan versus Dragons. <laughs> so, I guess, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a little more interesting. At least it's a, like you're, there's two different Abzan lists, right? I, I yeah, feel like, like five you know, cards different. I, I feel these greedy mana bases, or there, or there needs to be like a stronger mono red to uh, punish these coming to play tap lands. But most of these lists are kind of just playing like good stuff. Choose your colors. Yeah. Listen, man, they're not going to print Wasteland and Standard anymore. <laughs> it's just I, not I don't know if Ghost Quarter do anything. I, I don't know if getting a basic would screw up these decks. Enough. I think Tectonic Edge could come back. I mean, why not, right? Tech Edge isn't that bad. Why not just it's Blood a, Moon? A, Ooh. No. Ooh. <laughs> I don't love you want to unleash Blood Moon on the stage. <laughs> if Stone oh, Rain man. is too much to handle, I don't know about Blood Moon. <laughs> I mean, even Molten Rain hasn't even come back. I mean, these these kids these days don't know about three three mana land destruction. Oh, we, they don't know about Sinkhole. Armageddon. <laughs> they don't know about Molten Rain. <laughs> <laughs> What do these kids know about Stone Rain? Back in my day at uh, Neutral Grounds, I was getting Stone Rain left and right. <laughs> like, is seriously Stone Rain overpowered, or people they just don't want people getting their lands destroyed? 
Dude, getting your lands destroyed is the worst thing you could probably have happen to you. It's it's really awful. How it's is like, these any better? Here, take my best card. You, <laughs> yeah, but you don't. You, at least you get your land. So at least if you draw a card, you can still play the cards that you draw. It's like if you if you have to mulligan and you get two lands, but you still like it's workable. But somehow don't draw the third land and you get stone rain. It's like you just lose on the spot. That's true. You should have that. Uh... That extra land in your sideboard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pull out that the old legacy lanes. trick. <laughs> yeah, one la- one island in your sideboard <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, so let's do actually fish mail first before we have a good fish mail, and I think it warrants some discussion, and then we can do uh, price movement. So Richard, these were emailed directly to you. We have some avid listeners that want some questions answered for us. So, uh, what what's the first question for us? Okay, so this comes from uh, this comes from Martin what? Nielsen, Copenhagen, Denmark. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, okay. His question is: Some friends and I were discussing what the odds of getting a supplemental product like MMA, but for Legacy, is. I know that Wizards has decided to support Modern as their non-rotating format of choice, uh, largely due to the reserve list. There are plenty of pricey Legacy only staples not on the list that I would think a Legacy Master set would be extremely popular and would generate a lot of money. Uh, what are your thoughts? Why not Legacy Masters with Force of Will, Wasteland, Rashad and Port, Dark Depths, Caracas, Jace, Show and Tell, etc.? That's a really good question. So basically, if, what, Legacy Vintage Masters, was it, right? We, we had I mean, Vintage lot... Masters on Magic Online. Right. What, did it have any of those cards in there? Uh, yeah, some of them. Some of they them. had Force of Will, Jace, um, maybe right. that's it. Okay. okay, so basically like a, a paper version of what Vintage Masters tried to do on Moto. <sighs> Go ahead, Seth. Um, well, I think it would be super sweet because I love drafting sets like that, and I love Legacy. Like, I love watching it, I love playing it, and I want to see that, for, uh, that format survive. Uh, my problem is I'm not sure that Wizards actually wants Legacy to survive as a format. So that's something I wanted to ask you guys. Does Wizards really want Legacy to be a format, or do they just want everyone to play Standard and Modern? So me and Richard talked about this off-cast, and I think we both agreed that while it wouldn't, it would be detrimental for Legacy to die, I don't – wait, it's beneficial for Wizards to let it die. So that, was, that was kind of the conclusion we came up with, Richard. Yeah, it's because Wizards doesn't make any money when someone buys a dual land from Star City Games, right? right. So they, they, they don't, you know, aside from making a supplemental product like this where you can reprint Force of Will, um, a lot of the legacy staples are on the restricted list and Wizards doesn't make any money. So that's why I don't think it's, you know, their top priority to keep legacy going because it does nothing. Um, but at the same time, it's it's like one of those... I don't know. To me, it's the best format. It's like what magic is really about. And if you let it die, like, you know, you're, you're letting a piece of magic die, right? Like if you just remove blue, i.e. play standard, right? Like a, a little bit of magic is lost, right? So, you know, for all of us who like things like Stone Rain, who like land destruction, you know, who want to do broken things with Force of Will, you know, there's a format still. So if they just totally remove it, you kinda, you're kind of missing an aspect of magic. Um, so it's going to be sad, but Legacy will just slowly die because I don't see Wizards investing into it. Like, you see, like, what, one Grand Prix a week, or a year, sorry, uh, for Legacy. Like, you don't really see much support for it anymore. So I don't think Wizards is interested. 
uh, in the Legacy Masters. I think they might do something like uh, Force of Will in a supplemental product. You know, they might throw us a bone here or there with, you know, a From the Vault something or other and throw a Force of Will in. Um, but I don't see a full-blown, you know, modern Masters like set for Legacy. Yeah, Richard, I'm I'm gonna have to wholeheartedly agree with you, and I I know how much people like Legacy, especially you and and Seth. I just it's not like like you mentioned, it's just not cost effective for them to um, keep it going. I mean, like you said, they'll probably throw us a bone akin to what they did with like Jason Mind Sculptor and throw it in a supplemental product here and there. But yeah, they're it, it's a telling sign when they're really trying to push modern, and of course they always try to push standard because you're right. Um, they don't make any money from players like us purchasing dual lands from each other or from Star City Games. You know, a lot of the legacy staples right now are almost, I mean, they are 100% secondary market at this point. Uh, it's not like Wizards is, re- is releasing more, uh, you know, revised uh, boxes into the wild. Yeah, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think, I don't think it's going to happen because they want Legacy to die. I just don't think, you know, it's a lot of them are on the uh, reserve list. So, I mean, how do you make a Legacy Masters with no dual lands in them or in the in the set or, you know, a Caracas or, you know, some, some you know, cards like that. And let's just be honest. I mean, a lot of that product won't even get into the hands of players. I mean, that stuff will get scooped up so fast because they'll try to keep it a limited thing like they did Modern Masters, probably not. You know, probably the first Modern Masters, not this one, where they keep it very limited. Uh, and that stuff probably would be on shelves, what, maybe a week? You know, that it, it just won't make it into the hands of a lot of people that want to play Legacy. It'll just be, you know, accumulating and, you know, sitting in a closet somewhere. I think a lot of big-time investors would just, and stores would just buy that product up instantly. So I think that's the best way I can answer that question. And it's unfortunate because... I mean, I really like watching Legacy 2. I'm really, you know, happy that Star City Games keeps that format going because, I mean, let's just face it, if Star City Games didn't have, like, a weekly Legacy Premier IQ, I mean, Legacy would be dead already, wouldn't it? Uh, I I don't know. I I don't really like the Premier IQs. It it was much better with the Sunday Legacy Open. Um, Right. But, like, now you're not exposed to Legacy. Like, that's why I started playing Legacy, because of... You know, I, I would watch on Sundays. I'm like, what is this format? Why is he dead already? What's happening? <laughs> right? So, yeah. you know, you, you get interested and you're like, wow, here's a standard game dragging on and here's this legacy game that just finished in like five minutes. So what, what's happening? Right? And you get intrigued and you investigate and you get into the format. So without that, I don't see new players getting attracted, right? You need to actually know someone who plays legacy, um, which is pretty rare nowadays. So it's it's pretty hard to get to the format. So I think it's just going to kind of die uh a slow and, and natural death, you know, until legacy F and M's or something become the norm. Like I just don't see, uh, yeah. you know, the popularity for, for legacy. Yeah. So, um, Martin Nielsen from Copenhagen, that is our, uh, that's the crew's answer to your fish mail Seth, Did you want to add anything to that before we go on to the other question? No, just to say that I think I agree with everything you guys are saying. I don't think Legacy will ever truly die in the sense that no one will play it. It's right. too good of a format, and people somewhere will always play Legacy. Exactly. But as far as having support in GPs and tournament series, that's the part that I think is going to slowly fade away, and already is. Like, SCG just cut down from every week to having a Premier IQ that's not really 
covered or supported like it was a year ago. So I think it's already happening. All right. So to try to pick it up on a on a good <laughs> note, uh, Sully at Rob Sullivan eighty six uh, have a finance question. I can pick up Wilt Leaf Leeches for ten to eleven dollars for my deck. Should I wait, or is it a good or is it good to buy them now? So Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for me, the key part of that question is for my deck. I wouldn't be buying Wiltley Fleeges to, like, spec on at that price. But if you want to play with them, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe they drop to 8 bucks and you lose a couple bucks. Like, buy them and put them in your deck and have fun with them. Like, go for it. Yeah, I don't really think this card is going to go back down to, like, 5 bucks. I mean, it could over maybe a year. I don't even know. I mean, it's still kind of played in modern uh, in those... Uh, what are those, those like junk, like little kid, like Boys of Resurgence type decks? Um, I mean, like Seth, Seth, like Seth said, excuse me. Um, yeah, the worst that's going to happen is what? You're going to lose what? Eight bucks on a playset? Yeah, that's yeah. like pretty minimal. So I think 10 bucks. I mean, they already came down from what, 35? I mean, that's a pretty big decrease. So I, I think that's pretty attractive if you're going to purchase it for your deck. I would totally go for it. So um, that handles the fish mail. Some some great questions. Thank you, uh, everyone, for asking those. Uh, so, Seth, let's wrap it up with some um, price movement, and then uh, that'll be it for episode 20. So just so everyone knows, <laughs> uh, we got it right this time. <laughs> so um, let's do it. Weekly changes, standard, uh, collected company, coal against command, Thought Seas, Polluted Delta, Court of Calling, Windswept Heath, Hornet's Nest, Bloodstained Mire, Wooded Foothills, Eidolon of the Great Revel are our top winners, top losers, Narset Transcendent, Dragonlord Ojutai, Stormbred Dragon, Dragonlord Atarka, Bramaz, Sarkan Unbroken, Dragonlord Silmgar, Ugin the Spirit Dragon, Goblin Rabblemaster, and Ashiok. So a lot of dragons. Seth? Well, we've been doing this podcast for 20 weeks, and I'm pretty sure Narset has been the top loser for almost every one of those weeks. <laughs> um, well, since Dragons, that's for sure. Yeah, ever since it came into print, it's just been like the, the worst performing card. It's all the way down to $17 and change. So that's just insane that people, I figured out this week, you could literally order an entire playset today for what one pre-order copy was going for a couple months ago. <laughs> Yeah, they were pre-ordering for like what forty nine ninety nine something like that. Yeah, they might have hit fifty four ninety nine at one point, but yeah, that's rough. Imagine ordering might... four of those at Ooh. that price. <laughs> yeah, I'd be real pissed. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, Narset. I mean, I think she could bounce back at some point, but not anytime soon. I think you mentioned Cord last week, right, Chaz? Cord yeah. of Calling. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a... showing up. Yeah, that's a big one. It's usually a four of in those uh, collected company deck lists, especially the the one, uh, it's a, like an elf list. So yeah, Court of Calling is showing up a lot. I mean, it'll probably be a long time before it sees any considerable gains, but I mean, we're hitting that rotation time and M15 is not opened uh, as much. It's not drafted. So I mean, basically what's out there in the wild is pretty much what's going to be able to be picked up. Uh, Cole against Command, you mentioned this week as uh, as a card that's showing up in Legacy and in Modern, so it's only you know natural that this card starts showing up on uh, weekly changes. 
yeah, and collective company too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, collective company's been there a few weeks in a row now. So that's uh I don't know how much higher that can go though, really. It's almost thirteen bucks now. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh it's certainly interesting. I know foils increased uh a good percentage, I think like ten percent over the last week, uh bringing the average up to thirty from where it was at twenty five. Uh, not even 10 days ago. So, And it was 13 about three weeks ago. So that's been a huge increase in foils over the last month. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it can only really go up from here if it continues to be popular in uh, eternal formats. So let's switch over to modern. Wow. So Heritage Druid, Blood Moon, Blood Moon, Snapcaster Mage, Sword of Fire and Ice, Blood Moon, Damnation, Scalding Tarn, Cavern of Souls, Summoner's Pact. Uh, are the winners, the losers, and we're looking at weekly, just so everyone, you know, the listeners out there. Uh, losers, Tarmogoyf, Kozilek, Ulamog, Bitter Blossom, Dark Confidant, Wiltleaf Liege, Vendillion Click, Dark Confidant, Fulminator Mage, Cryptic. So, basically everything printed in Modern Masters 2015 uh, is seeing some pretty considerable drops. Seth, Richard, uh, the weekly changes on Modern. Heritage Druid is now a $15 uncommon. Why do people like their elves so much? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very powerful card, so I don't think they're going to make another Heritage Druid anytime soon. So I think uh, it's a pretty unique effect. Yeah, and every single version of Blood Moon you could even possibly think of. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah, uh, and you brought up... Uh, Richard or Seth, that you wanted to talk. I mean, the foil versions of Cavern of Souls and Blood Moon are also up very high this week. Uh, and I added uh, Omniscience to that one as well uh, since the last cast. And now we're seeing Cavern and Blood Moon regular copies uh, up a pretty considerable amount over the past week, too. Yeah, I mean, the foils almost doubled on both of those cards. Blood Moon went from around 50 bucks up to 80 bucks. Uh, Cavern of Souls, I think, was close to doubling as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a massive increase in a short period of time. Like, the normal copies are ticking up, going up 8%, 5%, but that's almost up 100% in a week's time, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it was uh, hovering around the $40 mark, and now is up close to, what, 85 90 That's a considerable jump. Um, and the non-foil versions are reflecting, you know, and they're starting to trend upward as well. I mean, they weren't reprinted. They're in Innistrad, so they're pretty safe for a little while. Blood yeah. Moon, I don't know, though. Yeah. But apparently every single version is close to, what, $30 now? With yep. foils, uh, what, near close to 100 Yeah, 80, 80 and the, some of the older foils are 150 160 I think, for like 8th and ninth editions. Whew. Yeah. That's, that's rough. All right, so uh, there's, uh, there's our look at the weekly changes. I mean, pretty... Kind of standard stuff on the on the weekly changes in terms of what goes up, what goes down. Um, the losers we've seen even last week are stuff printed in Modern Masters 2015. The stuff that goes up is the pretty safe stuff, or it wasn't reprinted in uh, Modern Masters 2015, whether it was excluded or it just wasn't in that set range. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, any kind of final thoughts on anything we talked about? Because I think that that about wraps it up. Foil cards are very expensive, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Omniscience is what? Almost $100 for 100 now? $100. That's yeah. very expensive for such a recent card. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, interesting stuff on the foil end. I mean, foils is a very tricky market, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, so I think that about does it here for episode 20 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. This is myself, Chaz, Richard, and Seth signing out. And be sure to follow us at BullSnapBull, at MTG Goldfish, and at Saffron Olive. Uh, so until next time, 